This is TM Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Three Purgatory. Chapter Two. G sat by the river with the cat in her lap, stroking the mottled fur between his stubby missing ears. I think it's the same one from before, she told her brother. I think he followed us. Assam nodded, not because he agreed, but because he was relieved that her mood had lightened somewhat. It was easier to concentrate, to try and shut off the noise in his head without her sorrow crashing into him every few seconds. I think he likes me. She laughed as the cat stood up on its hind legs to lick her chin. I think you're right, her brother said with a grimace. Each time she laughed, he was blinded for a moment as though flashbulbs were going off in his mind. What's wrong? He shook his head. Nothing. Just a bit of a headache. The cat mewed at him and hopped off Chi's lap. It rubbed against his legs, scraping the side of its head and chin across the toe of his boot. Small, radiant colors drifted upwards, friendly and warm. Assam shook his head to clear it. He was going to have to learn how to shield himself better if he was ever going to manage to have a normal life again. If his sister and a cat could overwhelm him, there was no telling what a crowd of people could do to him. The cat dropped onto the ground at his feet and rolled in the dust. Assam knelt down and scratched its stomach, gritting his teeth against the burst of delight that spread upwards from the animal. And then, just as suddenly, it was all gone. Like a radio switching off, the noise dropped away. Assam stood up, blinking, in the sudden silence. As much as it was a relief, a part of him was worried briefly that his new ability was gone forever. He wasn't quite sure if he wanted to lose it that easily. The cat mewed up at him, as though asking him what was wrong and why did he stop. Oh, don't mind him, she leaned forward to pet the cat. He's just a big party pooper. Yes, he is. The cat stared up at Assam. The boy felt a brief flash of something. Then the animal closed its eyes and gave in to G's attention. The trouble with cats, Assam thought to himself, is that they act like they know a lot more than they let on, but you can never be sure if they really know something or if it's just an act. G was speaking to the cat now, playful little nothings in a sing-song voice that bordered on baby talk. It was intensely irritating. Well, began Assam, we should probably... All right, we're ready. G scooped up the cat in her arms and stood up. Assam stared at her. What are you doing? What? He waved his hands vaguely in the air towards the animal in her arms. You you can't just take him. Why not? That that That's practically stealing. Stealing? She looked one way and then the other. From who, exactly? Assam wasn't about to admit she had a point. Well, I don't know. He must live around here somewhere. 
where? Uh, I don't know. In a hole? Does he look like a gopher to you? Besides, Assam tried to be reasonable. Who said that he wants to come with us anyway? At that, the cat, looking quite comfortable curled up in G's arms, raised its head and meowed once at Assam. See, G said triumphantly, he wants to come with us. He just said so. And with that, she started walking downstream. The trouble with cats, Assam told himself as he hurried to catch up with her, is that they don't know when to keep their mouths shut. Following the river for so long felt after a while like they were standing still, and it was the river that was moving. Assam had to look down at his feet to assure himself that he was actually still walking. Also, he was bored. His sister, on the other hand, was perfectly content to walk along with the cat nestled in her arms, and the cat, apparently, was perfectly content to nestle there. It's only a matter of time, Assam said to himself. His sister shot him a glance over her shoulder. He hadn't realized that he'd spoken aloud. He wondered if he'd said anything else while they'd been walking. He wondered if this was how crazy people felt, walking backwards into insanity, wondering why the real world was fading away step by step. It wasn't long afterwards that it began to rain. Hard. It was the kind of rain that soaked you to the skin in an instant. The kind of rain that turned friendly, sleek cats into bedraggled, sodden messes that stare out at the world with sullen eyes. The kind of rain that ran down into Assam's eyes and blinded him, turning the dark figure on the horizon into a vague shape like something from a child's doodle. He clutched his sister's shoulder, pointing ahead. There's someone out there, he whispered. Yes, yes there is. She managed to sound both irritated and irritating at the same time. You can see it? Assam asked, still not trusting his new senses completely. The king had said he might see things that weren't there. I can see him. G added a new layer of meaning to her tone, which effortlessly implied what an idiot he was being. And the cats. What cats? Assam wiped the water out of his eyes, peering through the sheets of rain. He could just barely make out the distant lone figure on their side of the bank, walking toward the river. Behind the figure trailed a long, dark shape lying low to the ground like mist. It undulated and rolled along in the figure's wake as though it were alive. It didn't look like cats, not to Assam. Whatever that is, he said, bringing his sister to a stop. I don't want to meet it. The dark figure rang oddly in his mind, slightly off balance like a warped record. The sound of it rose and fell, making him sick to his stomach. His sister stared at him like he was insane. Assam shook himself. He had absolutely no idea what he'd been saying or what had been going on in his mind. He'd been frozen in place for a moment, transfixed by that mental image of an old gramophone with a bell like a giant flower, a warped record spinning round on a lopsided hypnotic cycle. 
What's wrong? G asked, half concerned and half annoyed. You just went away for a minute there. I'm fine, Assam replied. But we need to be careful. I think it might be a good idea to take the long way around this one. We can circle back to the river once we're past. No. What? Her face was firm, matter-of-fact. The cat glowered at him, wet and bedraggled. I said no. We're going to keep following the river because that's what Winterly told us to do, and because Vincent is hungry. Who the heck is Vincent? The cat raised its model head and meowed at him as though to say, I am, jackass. Yes, and besides, the girl went on, anyone with that many cats is probably going to have enough food to go around. Assam realized a number of things all at once. First, his sister was probably right, and knew it. Therefore, she would be impossible to argue with. Second, he hadn't eaten since they'd had tea with the queen, which meant that they were a long way past at the point where cucumber sandwiches hold any lingering nutritional value. And, thirdly, finally, he was tired, and he wanted nothing more than to sit for a while possibly next to a nice fire if there was one available, and let his clothes dry out. If there was any pity in this world, he might even get something to eat, or at the very least a warm mug of tea to hold in his hands. In a perfect world, there would be a grilled cheese sandwich in there somewhere, just like the ones his mother makes. Used to make, he reminded himself with a pang. Then, the rain stopped almost as suddenly as it had started. Assam wiped his face, not sure how much were tears and how much was just rainwater. He had a flash of her then, their mother framed in headlights from the oncoming traffic, throwing her arm back between the seats of the car as though she could save them from the accident just by touching them, her voice drowned out by the screech of brakes. He felt himself pulled into those horrified eyes, seeing what she saw, Assam and his sister, her hand outstretched towards them, hearing the screams of her children, the blare of the horns, and everything swirling away into darkness. He let go of his sister's shoulder, fell to his hands and knees, and vomited at the edge of the river. G took a step towards him to help, but stopped. There are some things that everyone has to do all on their own. Assam just let it all happen as it needed to, waiting for it to be over. He felt the tears running down his cheeks and watched the current carry away those poisonous, sour images that he couldn't keep down, leaving only their memory behind. Eventually, he stopped retching and spent the better part of a minute spitting into the river and wishing for one clear drink to rinse his mouth. Problem was, of course, it would rinse away more than that. G patted his back with one hand, cradling the cat with the other. You okay? He shook his head, wishing it would start raining again. He cleared his throat and spat once more. From behind them, he heard someone, not his sister, not the cat, clear their throat and reply. It occurred to me a minute ago, a voice said, that it might be wise to pick a spot further upstream. Given the current situation with the, ahem, 
current. Assam looked up, if for no other reason than he'd never heard anyone pronounce the word ahem before. The cat in G's arms made a small noise and leapt down, patting excitedly over to rub itself against the long legs of the man standing there behind them. He was bald, G noticed immediately. You couldn't miss it. His round dome of a head bordered around the sides with gray hair like clouds wreathing the moon. He had a large, shaggy beard that flowed down his cheeks, chin, and neck to disappear beneath the collar of the full-length fur coat he was wearing. G couldn't tell where the beard ended and the coat began. Altogether, his appearance was quite shaggy. The shaggy man looked back and forth between the two of them, his eyes twinkling. In one hand, he held a wicker picnic basket. In the other, he carried an impossibly long fishing pole. Behind him stretched a long line of cats. They sat patiently, tails flicking back and forth in the dust, staring up at him with intent expectation. Assam took a breath and winced at the sour taste in the back of his throat. Sorry, he said. The shaggy man smiled. Not to worry. I've been known to have the odd hangover or two. I know how it is. Not drunk, the boy replied thickly, sounding very drunk indeed. The man laid his index finger along the side of his nose. Of course you aren't, he said gravely. Then he winked. Are all those cats yours? G'd been watching her cat roll around at the man's feet, and she felt a little jealous to be forgotten so easily. Ah, the shaggy man said, looking back at his feline followers. Well, I'm not certain that anyone can presume to claim that they own a cat. They are their own masters, after all. But if you mean to ask if I have taken it upon myself to provide food and lodging sufficient to the material needs of however many stray felines wish to avail themselves of my hospitality, then I suppose it is safe to say that, yes, these are my cats. Or, possibly, I am their man. Okay, she said. But, the shaggy man continued, I am equally confident to assert that, no, these are not my cats. Uh-huh. Although, he knelt down and scratched the stubby ears of the cat at his feet. I must confess that I think I recognize this fellow here as one of my regular visitors, despite the fact that he seems to vanish for a few weeks at a stretch. That's because he's staying with Al. G said, pulling her arm away from her brother, who had suddenly squeezed it very tightly. What was that for? Assam gave her a warning look. He glanced at the shaggy man. I think what your friend there is trying to say, the man nodded good-naturedly, is that children, strays, and travelers would do well to be careful in this land. He patted the cat on the belly and straightened up. But it is known far and wide, or thereabouts, that the elephant house is a safe haven for them all. He gestured to the cat circling him. Just ask anyone. It wasn't a great joke, but Assam smiled in spite of himself. He stood up and said, Sorry, 
to his sister, who was still rubbing her arm, mainly to make a point. There was frustration and anger radiating out from her, but also he could tell that her arm didn't hurt as much as she was letting on. She glared at him, and he saw a flash of, in his mind of her kicking him into the shins. The image was so clear he nearly stepped back, but he held his ground and said quietly, Don't even think about it. He knelt down, holding his hand out to the cat at the shaggy man's feet. The cat sniffed his fingertips cautiously. What can you tell me about our new friend? Assam murmured very softly, almost not speaking at all. The cat's crisp, sulfur-yellow eyes fixed on his. A handful of images fluttered across Assam's mind like a flock of birds taking flight. Snowflakes, fat and crisp, filling the air, a dull cold that wreathed his head like a crown, tiny piercing echoes of pain in his hands and feet, a broad white expanse stretching out under a charcoal sky, broken only by the shaky outline of a roof and a bright rectangle of a window below. A face leaned close into his, all beard and kindness. Rough hands lifted him gently out of the snow, out of the pain, coming to rest in a warmer, welcoming place. Assam snapped back into himself. The cat was still staring up at him. After a long moment, it blinked slowly and looked away. Assam nodded to himself. If he'd had a tail, he would have flicked it. He straightened up and smiled at the shaggy man. What do we call you? he asked. The man smiled, all crooked teeth and good humor. As many nice things as you can think of, he answered with a chuckle. The boy accepted this with a nod. You can call me Assam, and this is my sister, G. Hello to you both, the shaggy man replied. What's the elephant house? G asked abruptly. It's my house, the man said. Why do they call it that? she asked. Why do they call it what? Why do they call it the Elephant House? The man frowned in mock seriousness. Who calls it that? They do. Who are they? I don't know, G said in exasperation, but that's what it's called. The shaggy man narrowed his eyes. Who says? You did. Me? he said in shock. Yes. When? Just now. You shouldn't believe everything you hear. But you said it. Who am I? I don't know. He tissed at her. A girl your age should know better than to talk to strangers. G opened her mouth to respond and then closed it again. She glared at him. Assam coughed, hiding a smile behind his hand. Well then... The shaggy man looked around with a pleased expression. I should probably earn my keep, yes? The cats sat up expectantly. The man hefted his picnic basket and swung the pole back over his shoulder, heading upstream a ways with the cats close behind. G stared after him. Assam nudged her. Come on, he said, walking after the man. After a moment, she followed. At the river's edge, the shaggy man set down his basket 
and flipped open the lid with his foot. The cats gathered around, murmuring and meowing in a quiet, sing-song way. It sounded, Assam thought, like they were placing orders. With deft fingers, the shaggy man had his line hooked and baited almost immediately. In spite of herself, G was impressed. Instead of worms, the man had a small pot of foul-smelling paste. Limburger, he told G, taking a pinch and molding it around the tip of his hook. It smells evil, but the fish can't resist it. What kind of fish do you catch? Assam asked. The shaggy man flicked the tip of his pole experimentally in the air. The cats murmured appreciatively. Well, forgetful fish, mostly. He grinned. Not that I have a burning fancy for fish, but times are hard, the pickings are scarce, and, he gestured to the cats around him, I do have mouths to feed. What are forgetful... G began, but the man held up his hand. There was a dark smear on three of his fingertips and thumb. Assam cocked his head, trying to remember what it reminded him of. Quiet, please, the shaggy man intoned. I am, in fact, now going to fish. And with that, the rod swept back through the air in a perfect leisurely arc across the sky. Then it flicked forward and the hook flew out with a faint hiss to land in, more or less, the exact center of the river. As soon as the hook hit the water, the shaggy man reeled it back in, the line clacking and rattling as he cranked. Soon the end of the line came into view, a brilliant scaled fish struggling against the insistent lurch, the inevitable pull of the shore. At the sight of the fish, the cats gathered around the man like thunderclouds around a mountain. They watched, tails flickering like lightning as he drew the fish in, dancing at the end of his rod. He pulled the picnic basket closer with the toe of his shoe and, in a flash, dropped the fish in. Down went the lid, up went the pole, and out went the line again. The hook hung in the air so long that the shaggy man had time to look at each of the children and ask, Now, should I be expecting you for dinner? Before the hook hit the water again. You didn't put the bait on it, G said. The Lindenberger. The shaggy man nodded. I did not, you're correct. And yet, for some reason, I feel certain that the fish will find my hook once more. We'd be very grateful, Assam said, for a little dinner, as long as it's no trouble. It's no bother providing or pretending you like fish, the shaggy man smiled at G. And it's Limburger. It's a kind of cheese known the world over for its evil stench. It won't be on the menu, although I do admit that the taste does seem to find a way to seep into the fish. Yes, please, Assam said, determined that one of them should show some manners. We'd like that very much. Splendid, the shaggy man threw in the line. The cats complained with disappointment when they saw the hook was bare. Without missing a beat, he cast again and said, A is for author, who set out a plate.
The hook hit the water, and he reeled it back in, empty once more. Another cast, and while the hook was in the air, the shaggy man intoned, B was the boy who thought it was great. His hand spun the reel, an empty hook, and another cast. C were the cats who sat on the sand. Cast, reel, a fish dangling from the hook, finally. Into the basket it went. Just as quick, the hook flicked out again, trailing the next line of the poem behind it. D was a doodle, drawn with a shaky hand. G sat down among the cats. E was the elephant of memory reliable. The man spun the reel with a flourish. Together, Assam and G watched the man cast time and time again. Every so often, the line would drag in the water, heavy with a fish. The cats murmured while the catch was made, and safely stowed, falling silent once more as the pole drew back, shimmered in the air, and sent the line whizzing out once more. The man cast again. F was the blanket, scratchy and pliable. After three or four casts, with more poetry to bait the hook, Assam sat down as well. There were, after all, twenty-six letters in the alphabet. They had a long way to wait before dinner. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. These rights are asserted in direct opposition to all Creative Commons licensing standards and practices. Even listening to this damn thing is probably illegal. In fact, you should stop right now, just in case the feds are closing in on you. I'd wipe your hard drive, too, just to be safe. You don't want them to find all those Lipstick Jungle episodes you downloaded from BitTorrent, do you? Wait, did you hear that? Just outside the window? I think it's one of their robotic hounds. The new models have night vision now, you know. And they see everything. Oh my god. I think...
I think they might already be in the house.